Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hi, everybody. Ann Harder with you. You know, this time of the year, a lot of folks, including myself, are looking for a really good holiday read, something to read that reminds you of Christmas. And this year, the state of Texas is even endorsing a book. It's a, a collection of short stories called A Hill Country Christmas, Hope for Hard Scrabble Times. And joining me is Lynn Dean from her wonderful home in San Antonio via the magic of Zoom. Welcome. Lynn, it's good to see you again. Thank you for having me. You are a former Wacoan, and uh, and we've had you at my book club, and uh, and it's good to see you again. Uh, I see you're still prolifically writing. You've got at least seventeen uh, published things to your name. Um, quite a few. I lost I mean, count. Yeah, lost. You she lost. Anyway, <laughs> kind of lost count on that. But this latest one, I want you to hold it up. For the camera so folks can can see it's called in the, the beautiful cover a hill country christmas hope for hard scrabble times and uh, i'm just curious lynn about how you kind of get into this whole genre of uh, historical fiction i guess you call it because they're real people but you sort of put flesh and bone on them and and bring them to life through your own imagination correct yes um i was one of those strange kids that was excited in school when they assigned research papers. <laughs> I, I have always enjoyed um, digging and learning and finding odd little facts here and there. And, um, and yet I did not enjoy history in school very much. Really? And I, I wanted my children to love it, and especially Texas history. We homeschooled. And when it was time to pick a, a history curriculum, I asked around and they showed me the same textbook that had bored me to tears 30 years before. Oh my. And I thought, no, we're not going there. So um, I researched and wrote a Texas history curriculum that has been going strong now for, it's going into its 24th year. Uh, it's called Discover Texas and it's discovery based. Uh, it does tell children the story of what happened chronologically, but we also, uh, include real library books and projects and field trips. And we try and get them into the mind of the people who made the history so they'll understand why it happened, what it changed, and why that mattered. 
So the Texas Historical Commission has kind of stepped in uh, on this new book that you uh, are a part of. I'll say you're a part of it because uh, there are a total of, what, five authors? There are five of us. Five of you, and uh, and they're short stories, which was, I love the format of a short story. I, I just love I do that. Too. Um, I do too. So, so let's, let's talk about how all that came about and the fact that they're available in, in Texas historic museums now. They are, and I couldn't be more thrilled. Yeah, that was kind of a recent development, right? It really was. Uh-huh. It really was. This is a, a book that I published, and the five of us were the marketing team as well. <laughs> so um, one of the stories was set in Castroville, and I went to the Landmark Inn, which is in Castroville, and asked if they would have any interest in carrying it in their museum. And she said, I would love to, but you'll need to go through our state uh, approval process. Sure, yeah. And she kindly gave me the name of the people to contact, and I did, and it happened really quickly. And it is now not only at the Landmark Inn, but it's at San Felipe de Austin uh, Museum. It's at the Star of the Republic Museum at Washington on the Brazos, and it's at the San Jacinto Battlefield Museum. So that's their big three. I'm floored, humbled, thrilled, ecstatic, all those things. Oh, wow. It Well, it, it is a, a feather in your cap because these are stories that, as I say, do bring to life historical uh, Persons and and so let's start with uh, the first one I came upon in your uh, in your collection is called a candle in the window, and it's mm-hmm. set in your hometown, San Antonio. Now, but back in 1835, so so tell me how you know why did you select first of all uh, these these characters? Well, it was really important to us to bring out the cultural tapestry mm-hmm. of the hill country, and. I can't think of any family that more typified the blending of cultures than Deaf Smith's family. Uh, Deaf Smith was Anglo and a little older and hearing impaired. And he came here because he had a lung disease. We're not sure exactly what that was, but um, emphysema or tuberculosis won probably. Hmm. When he came here, he met and fell in love with a Hispanic widow who had three daughters. So he married her and adopted her daughters, and then they had more children of their own. He was also a surveyor, and a young man approached him when he was in San Felipe and asked him if he would please um, apprentice him, and that was Hendrick Arnold. Hendrick Arnold was a free black man. His parents had come here from Mississippi because in that state, Uh, They were not allowed to marry. His father was white, but his mother was black. Hmm. And so they came here so that their sons could be free and and always be free. And he had a daughter from a prior relationship who was uh, also African-American. But um, it's just this wonderful blended family of, of disabled people and abled people and Tejanas and free blacks and enslaved blacks and and Anglos, and it's just, it was a Texas family. Yeah, wow. And there's a lot going on here. Yeah, And you mentioned enslaved people. Uh, it was it was Henry's daughter was considered yes. his possession, his slave. 
right? Yes, and I have not figured that out. I, yeah, I know. Parents were very open. I mean, they came here to be married so their sons could be free, but they had one slave, a house, a house servant, and Hendrik fell in love with her, and they had a daughter, Harriet, and so. Harriet technically was his daughter, but also he owned her. And for whatever his reasons, he contracted to have her apprenticed uh, and freed on her 18th birthday. But I, my conjecture is that he may have been trying to protect her by making sure that any way that like they looked at it, she was his to take care of. Mm -hmm. So she had... A lot of love and protection, but she also was not free to do what her half-sisters could. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Frozen, heroes, gonna tell you about Frozen, Frozen, heroes, gonna tell you about. Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Mike. And we have a fantastic new podcast to tell you about. Bros, foes, and heroes. It's the two of us looking into the world of comics, breaking down some characters that you may have never heard of. And some that are just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so Zach comes up with a character each time, and uh, I go into it just completely blind. I don't know who this person is or what their abilities are or anything. And, and basically, I guess we kind of go over their origin story and just some of the ridiculous stuff that maybe, especially Golden Age stuff. Oh, Golden yeah. Age stuff is always the best, and we will make sure to highlight all of the shenanigans and just absolute weirdness yeah. of everything. Yeah, that's right. So subscribe today and uh, follow us on Instagram at bros, bros, heroes. And if you don't, I know where you live. Not really, but please subscribe. <laughs> bros and, bros and heroes. Gonna tell you about bros and, bros and heroes. Gonna tell you about Hi, this is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. Wine, wine and vinyl. vinyl. <laughs> so check us out on roguemedianetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot.
Welcome to One Star Rewind, a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners who will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com. Please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. It's fascinating. And when you think it, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, in the total context of history. I mean, that's what's kind of kind of amazing about how far we've come. And of course, he he was an important uh, figure in Texas history and that he served as a spy. Correct. He did. His his home was on the road that led from San Antonio to Gonzales to San Felipe. Mm. So he literally was at the crossroads of history. And his wife still uh, had title to the home she had uh, lived in in San Antonio, I believe, uh, with her husband. And so in my story, uh, I knew that Def and his wife and their younger children had moved out to his land. And so in my story, I conjectured that perhaps they had given the townhouse to uh, the oldest daughter and um, Maria and her husband. Henry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was not something you researched and found titles and all that kind of thing. It's it's where your imagination sort of came into play. I didn't find the titles. <laughs> I did find that that there he had lived here and was living here at the time of the siege of Bear because um, they had to get their uh, their kids out. So when I looked at where the siege uh, encampments were. And the older neighborhoods around there, it it indicated that it might have been that house because he he had them smuggled out in the dark of night so that they would be further away from the battle. So a lot of drama. A lot of drama. A lot of drama. For the, for the purpose it... of the story, we looked sure. at it from the human perspective yeah. of you've been under siege. And now your your father and your husband are in danger. You've just had your first child. You don't know what's going to happen. And you're trying to make one last happy Christmas for the kids. Right. Before you have to run. And, of course, from Maria's standpoint, she was Mexican. So, you know, this was, was. her country. It's people that were doing all this. And yes, it's, it's very it's, awkward it's, position for her. Mm, it's, a, it's a fascinating story, a delightful uh, read. And it just kind of transport you to that period of history and um, just these these important characters. Uh, if we could go forward uh, some years to 1918, you uh, you write a story called The Man Who Canceled Christmas. And that's set in Kendall County uh, in one of my favorite places on the planet and that's bernie i love bernie i love bernie it's <laughs> it's a charming town it's wonderful 
But but back in 1918, they were dealing with a little thing called the Spanish flu, right? They were. And um, it, we were, of course, in World War One, And Bernie had one town doctor, and he was in France. Mm. He volunteered to go with the troops. So the sheriff at the time was a, a man in a German town with an English name. His wife was German, but he was not, Joe Saunders. And from all accounts, he was well-liked and a good guy. But three really unfortunate things happened while he was sheriff. They started the first national income tax, and it skyrocketed from 7% a year to 70 Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, income tax brackets. And then there was a prohibition against alcohol that came out, which did not go over well at all in a German community. No, not with those Germans who like their beer, no. No, because the San Antonio soldiers would come out and they would drink too much and cause trouble. So that was an unpopular decision, and he was called on to enforce it. Well, he was the law. He had to. He was the law. And then uh, when the soldiers began to come back from World War I, they sent the the most injured and sick first so that they could get home to their families and receive the care they needed. And a lot of them coming home had Spanish influenza. And he was scared. He was like, if this gets out of hand over Christmas with everybody mixing and mingling, we have no doctor. So he canceled Christmas. Mm, So that, that meant no church services? No church services, no parties, no concerts, no no nothing. Yeah, that sort of remind you of something that happened in the last couple of years. Doesn't it? So, it so does. you wrote this post COVID. This this uh, isn't yes. an old yeah. Yes. This is this not an old story you had in your file. Year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, it of course we all you know went through that. You know what? What do you mean we can't? You know, of course they didn't have the luxury of of uh, Zoom and all the technology that we were able to still stay somewhat connected. Um, that had to have been, it had to have been a, a difficult thing for people to kind of be under lockdown. Very much. And Bernie did have some rather serious cases of Spanish flu that I don't think anyone died of it in Bernie, but they had um, several people that caught it from people they had known and it was nip and tuck for a while, yeah. and that's when he made his decision. So, so he did it. He canceled Christmas, and they canceled him. He yep. lost. He they lost reelection. Yeah, it's booted like, him out. You're gone, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? So, how did you come upon this guy? You know, how did you know about this story to to write this? That's a, actually an interesting story. Um, Bernie is close to the river. And the river flooded in about 1940, and it destroyed all of their newspaper archives. Oh, my. So there was nothing in the, that I could research. I, I heard about it through people who did genealogy and local history, but I, there was nothing to research. My. And somebody said, go on down the road to Comfort. They have a good library, and they have all of their newspapers oh, on okay. file. Mm-hmm. And in the Comfort paper, every week there was a column called Our Neighbors. And so you could read the Bernie News in the Comfort paper. And that's where I found him. I was actually looking for something else and uh, found all the... It, it was wonderful because it had so much about 
the people's feelings about it. And um, Comfort did not cancel their Christmas, but Bernie did. So a lot of the people in Bernie drove out to Comfort to go to church. <laughs> to go to church. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and Comfort's another one of my favorite places to to go just it's for a bed on. bed and breakfast and just a lovely weekend. Uh, the Hill Country, of course, that's just my favorite part of the state of Texas. Uh, really I guess maybe amazing. it's my my German roots, you know, <laughs> because the Germans they they love that part. I think it reminded them a little bit of the old country, maybe. Just a that, lot. yeah, the climate and all that, you know. So. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful place to, to visit, for sure. Uh, another one of your stories is Christmas Chivalry. This is in Kendalia. Now, where is Kendalia? Um, Kendalia is a very small community. Uh, I would jokingly tell you it's between Bergheim and Sisterdale, but people don't much know where those are either. <laughs> um, Sisterdale is between Bernie and... Fredericksburg. Okay. And then if you come straight east toward New Braunfels, you would eventually run through Candelia. Okay. So it's all it's all right right it's down all in right there. It's all right in there mm-hmm. in a in a little Yeah, and our and our and our characters here are Henrietta and Effie. Now you say they're not actual historic they are characters. Not. So the events are historical, but okay. the characters in it are either drawn from other residents or just pulled out of my head. Okay, so so tell everybody what, you know, tell them about this this story here. It's about a party. It is. It's about a party. Candelia had, um, has still a large dance hall. And uh, in all of the German communities, the, the dance hall was the center of the community's social life, the church and the dance hall. And so uh, in my story, these two sisters are involved in a friend's wedding um, and after the after the church wedding, everybody'd head over to the dance hall, and the father of the bride would provide some sort of supper. In this case, he's serving cabrito, and they would all have a big shivery, which at the time they would just stay and party all night with the couple, and uh, then send them on their way as the sun rose the next morning. Hmm. So, so were any of the characters you say that just this? This process is what is historical, or are there other characters who really are the in Texas history? The process was historical, and what I was trying to capture in that one was the lighthearted feeling when they did not realize the Great War was coming. Oh. The one sister, Effie, is um, pretty Twitter-pated, and <laughs> there was a a large airport, or a, not airport, an, an airfield training, pilot training center in San Antonio. It was among the first. And um, the two of the teachers there were women, which I thought was also worth note. Wow. And uh, Stinson Field. And so the their friend is marrying a pilot who came from Chicago, and he is training at Stinson Field. And uh, the all the pilots are going to be there, and Effie has her cap set. She's going to catch her one, <laughs> uh, not realizing because uh, because she wants to get away from the hardship of the farm, not realizing that uh, it's going to get much harder for the pilots than it ever was on the farm for a while. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. There's a real real world situations for these characters that you have, have brought to life in your short story. And, and as you say, you, you wrote several for your compilation. And uh, let's talk a little bit about how all that came about. Now, the uh, again, the Texas uh, Historical Commission, really wonderful, a part of helping to market your book in their various museums. Also, you can get it on Amazon, correct? You can. Right. So we had it printed. Uh, it's available on Amazon, but we also had it printed by a local printer for our um, wholesale, retail, and fundraiser copies. Okay, good. Um, so, so how did it kind of come about? This, uh, you know, collaborating with these other authors to uh, to have this book come out. Well, two years ago, I had not met any of them. Really. Um, but I am in an author group that Gail Kittleson, my uh, co-author um, is also a member of. She writes predominantly World War II historical fiction, and she was looking to set one of her stories in the Hill Country and kind of put up a cry for help, and I raised my hand, and um, she settled on Loyal Valley, which is a ghost town now, but it is between um, Fredericksburg and Mason, which is another really interesting area. But she flew down and I drove her all around the hill country and we did kind of the the nerdy history tour and <laughs> met lots of locals. And that really is where uh, we started hearing these great stories. And then when she came back to launch her book, when it was finished, there were more people telling us more stories and we just loved them. And as we drove in the car, we said, you know, we should do something to preserve uh, the stories, these little out of the way places. and people live there and nobody even knows. And a lot of them have wonderful historical records in their town library, but it's not well known beyond. So um, we cooked up the idea of doing um, a Hill Country Christmas and Gail suggested the subtitle Hope for Hard Scrabble Time. She said, you know, it's always been kind of on the rough edge out here. I said, it really has. Oh, sure. So we looked for stories from Christmases that were difficult but where the people managed to have a good Christmas anyway. Mm. And Christmas has sort of been a, a little niche that you've you've uh, been a part of because you have another short story called Nabbing St. Nicholas, um, a holiday you. short story, and, uh, and another book called Chasing Christmas, a holiday novella. So, uh, you know, you just, lo- you just love Christmas? <laughs> it just makes you think of wanting to write? Um, no, not necessarily. My first books were just stories that, that I found while researching um, uh, uh, his, my history curriculum. But they were, I love stories about people and how they overcome challenges. Yeah. Um, if nothing happened and everything was smooth, there would be no story to tell. That's true. But um, Chasing Christmas is special to me because the the person overcoming the challenge was not a character in the book. It was my mom. Mm-hmm. She was very sick that year and spent most of the year in the hospital. And I told her, you hang in there and I'll come when I can. And when I come every month, I will bring you a new chapter to read and look forward to. And then for Christmas that year, she made it. And for Christmas that year, I... I uh, bound them all together and had it published and gave her the book for Christmas. What a special gift. It really was yeah. fun. Yeah. And and you tell me the uh, St. Nicholas short story related to a time you spent in Germany? Yes, we were stationed in Germany for four years. And um, 
they have such wonderful Christmas traditions. Nicholas comes to the house, but that year um, we were staying, uh, we were between houses, the house we had been renting sold, and the house that we were going to rent was not ready yet. So we were staying in an off-season uh, place in a kind of a little vacation cottage. And the man who was uh, portraying Nicholas that year for the children in town didn't know us and didn't know we were there. So our daughter was waiting anxiously at the window and she saw him turn around and go the other way. Oh. <laughs> and uh, when my husband came home, she says, you go get him and bring him back. And so <laughs> we watched and they did. It, it's a funny story, but it's it's really cute. Uh, her daddy saved the day. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Lynn, it, it's delightful to get to visit with you again and to, to hear more about your writing and uh, and kind of catch up. You lived in Waco for many years. I did from third grade to college yeah, and through college and then married military and then came back for 17 years. And um, now we've been in San Antonio for about 11 years. Mm -hmm. Well, you are you are in uh, one of my favorite parts of the country. That would be the Texas Hill Country. And uh, so you can enjoy uh, Hill Country Christmas Hope for Hard Scrabble times. Again, you can visit any of these wonderful uh, historical places in the state of Texas and you can find it in the museum uh, shop or go to Amazon. Correct. Yes. It's on Amazon as an ebook or also as a paperback. Oh, Lynn, it's been a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for being with us fun. today. And I hope you have a wonderful Merry Christmas. You too. And a terrific New Year. And we want to thank you all for joining us. And we will see you again next time on Central Texas Life. Bye bye. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.